Good evening and welcome to our fourth wellbeing webinar, part of a series of webinars aimed at supporting people working in education during this unusual time. I'm joined again by my other dynamic depth, Steve. Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us. And supporting us with these webinars are Liz Scott and Stu Newbury. And Liz and Stu specialize in this field of well-being, and they run an organization called Inner Compass. And if you want to find out more about their background, do listen to the first well-being webinar that we did, uh, where you can find out a bit more about them. So good evening to you two. Good evening. It's lovely to see you again. Oh, Stu, I missed you then. You're going to have to say good evening to me again. <laughs> oh, sorry. Good evening. <laughs> It's my fault. I muted you. Um, so just starting tonight, Liz, I, I've, I've really been reflecting on um, a quote that you shared in the first webinar we did. And I just wanted to go back to that tonight as the start. And you shared a quote from Chantal Burns. And she says that the biggest challenge we're up against in life is the gap between how we think life works and how life really works. The biggest gap we're up against in life is the gap between how we think life works and how it really works. Now, about three weeks after hearing that quote, I only really feel like it started to hit me this week, really hit home for me what that means. Because for me, before, I genuinely believed that my moods were a sign of my well-being. So I'd convince myself that when I felt down or if I felt anxious, my well-being was somehow weakened or maybe it, maybe it was even absent. But what I've been seeing in, in sort of recent days more and more is that my moods have nothing to do with my well-being. So my moods are just a sign of my thinking. And that's all. I've been seeing my feelings and my moods really differently. And I have to admit that as a result of that, I don't know, life just seems a lot less frightening than before. I was having a chat with my wife earlier about how I was feeling at the moment. And I was saying to her, you know, I just don't, I don't feel anywhere near as anxious as I, I have felt in the last couple of months. And the circumstances haven't really got simpler or easier. And sort of building from that, I've seen a lot of posts online from teachers this week, particularly on Twitter, quite panicky sounding um, tweets, really, where people have been talking about feeling really, really down and talking as though they really feel as if there's something wrong with them so I feel awful this week and I I just don't know what to do about it or I feel anxious this week or I've, I've, I feel like I've really hit a wall at home and I'm I'm really overwhelmed and it's been really interesting because I found myself commenting on some of those um, posts and what I'm finding my, myself saying is you're just having a perfectly normal and natural response to a really extraordinary situation and in the past, I might have tried to go out my way to persuade them it's okay, to try and encourage them to be more positive. And yeah, I just think that quote about seeing the way life um, works for what it, you know, really truly understanding that it, it wasn't quite the way I thought it was, that my moods are fleeting and they come and go. And, and I realized that in the past, I conflated moods with my well-being and these webinars have really been about challenging that haven't they and 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 suggesting that well-being something much more constant it's there all the time where our moods they're going to come and go and they're going to go up and down as are our thoughts so I'd love Liz for you just to come back to me on that with any of your reflections or thoughts from what you're hearing um, and then Steve maybe <coughs> over to you after that just to I'm curious about your reflections after a few weeks of pondering about this stuff for probably the first time in a bit more depth yourself. So I'll go to you um, first, Liz. Yes, I think um, I've also noticed that too, actually, Russell, on social media and maybe talking with friends and family. Um, you know, people are really noticing their down days at the moment. And I think that um, with some of the people I've been speaking to with my family members, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of discomfort about feeling low and down. And... Uh, and I think you've really hit the nail on the head is that, you know, we are in very strange um, times and it's very understandable with all the additional things that we're having to think about that our minds at times do seem to whiz off uh, into stories and concerns and anxieties and worries. And, you know, a response to overthinking is often a, a feeling of feeling flat or low or depressed. That's, that's kind of what comes with overthinking. And the, the natural 
um, or, or, or the way that we conventionally try and support people who say that they're feeling low or depressed is to kind of almost like wanting to, to, to cheer them up or, or motivate them or make them feel better. But I think what's really important in, in what we're talking about is that that's not what, what is the most helpful thing that you can do with somebody. The most helpful thing is that you almost like see through their story, see through their anxiety and worry, and really have eyes for their, their innate well-being, that part of them that is rock solid, that part of them that is navigating as best as it can through what are quite challenging circumstances. And, and so I would say, first of all, it's absolutely understandable that people are having lows. It, it's, it's absolutely fine. And if you're with somebody and they're feeling low, see if you can see beyond their story. See if you can see to, to the part of them that is settled, that is resilient, that is showing up to work, for example, that is doing the best they can in challenging circumstances. And point out that bit. Because what people really want is they really want to be heard and they really want to, to hear for themselves that they're resilient, that you know that they're resilient and that you can see through all the stories that they're, they're having in their heads at that moment. So that is something I would say. And, and don't get caught up in their story. You know, don't try and fix their story. There's nothing to fix. <clears throat> they're just momentarily lost. And the best thing that you can do is, is help point them back and show them how they can reconnect to that sort of settled space within. So, yeah, that's, that's probably how I would uh, to sum it up, Russell. Thank you. That's a really helpful reflection. So what about you, Steve? Just hearing that and having a few weeks to ponder over this stuff, what's been landing for you? It's really interesting you said you spoke to your wife. <clears throat> I was talking to my partner, um, especially following last week's webinar, actually, because I, I kind of went off with this buzz about me, and I was like, I've got to tell you about this quote that came up. And obviously, <laughs> Liz, thank you for that. Um, and we started to start talk about that. And then um, a few days later, we're just sitting there, and Laura was kind of saying to me, you're really relaxed at the moment, aren't you? I mean, especially with the news that was coming up, like we're imminently could be going back to school, etc. And it kind of dawned on me to think, why am I feeling so calm and a bit placid in response to what is inadvertently panic stations ready to go? I was thinking, because what will be will be at the end of the day as well. That's it. I, I can't change what's happening around me, but I can certainly see how I can face this and uh, my thoughts and feelings on it and do you know what I feel like I have been really a little bit too relaxed possibly um but at the same time just feeling like I can cope and manage with this situation a lot better than possibly I remember talking a couple of weeks back and was looking at speculation weren't we and I mm. I was saying that that was awful seeing these papers and these headlines but actually do you know what it is what it is and um articles are articles and I just felt like, and I still do feel like, I'm just managing my own well-being and my own systems better. I just feel a bit more positive about everything, actually. That's really good to hear, Steve. And just one thing I'm sort of hearing there is it sounds like you've been reflecting quite a lot on the whole um, speculation aspect of, of, mm. of, of what's going on at the moment. And it sounds to me as if you're kind of maybe not taking the bait so much with some of the things that are being posted and shared. Would you say that's a fair reflection? Yeah. And you know what? I was talking to my partner again and she was saying, because uh, I was talking about speculation. She said, do you know the problem with you? She went, you're a football fan and you love rumours and speculation about your own team. You kind of get sucked into this world of speculation. Thinking, oh, something's going to happen here. Whereas in reality, it doesn't work like that. And yeah, I think, yeah, I'm less likely, like if the bait's out there, I'm not going to just jump at it and accept it. That's really interesting. Stu, could I um, come over to you and uh, just hear from you really on, on kind of what you make of some of those reflections from Steve and perhaps some of the other things I shared and Liz? I just wonder what people make of one of the things that Liz said, and we've said it before, but it's, it's this statement, which is, don't get caught up in the other person's story. Don't get caught up in the other person's story. Now, I would say that conventionally, that would have been the way that I would have approached um, somebody who was in distress, would be to 
start to poke around the story, um, ask them questions about it, and I might still do that for clarification, but there is no solution in the story. There is no solution in the story. So Liz and I, we've done lots of work in schools and you know, we've, we've had the privilege of being in staff rooms and having uh, cups of tea in there and seeing, seeing what's going on. And um, you know, generally, what I've experienced that people getting on with the work quietly, but now and again, there's a bit of a drama that, that, that kicks off. And it can be so easy for people to get engaged in the drama and, and inadvertently start fanning the flames and actually making it, inadvertently making it worse. And so what's the best way of, of being in that, that situation when it, when it occurs around you? Well, you, you do what you think feels right for you, but I, I know now from my own experience and the way that I see things is that I know not to get engaged in this story. I know that there's no solution in the story. There's actually nothing to fix because it's a story. It's a drama. Now that's not to say, rewinding, that something happened which is not very nice. But there can be a tendency to get wrapped up in the story and inadvertently give it some fuel and to maybe bolster, I call it bolster the ego, bolster the ego to go and say something or go and do something. And, and actually it all unravels in a way that's probably not the best solution. So the, what I say now is that if, if you are being in your true self, in other words, you're being that rock solid, in that rock solid grounded space, that's probably the best thing you can do in that sort of situation because you, you won't get involved in the drama. You will probably just sort of observe. And another thing that can be done is point to what you know to be true about the other person. You know, that, the, that, that they are rock solid at times as well and that they will know the, the next steps to take. So it's, it's about pointing to their true self and not pointing to the thoughts and beliefs around the outside that they think they are. Does that make sense? It does, Stu. I, um, you know, we've both been talking about our partners tonight, but I think it's a really in interesting time for relationships, isn't it, at home? Because you are in this intense dynamic where you're spending so much more time than you normally are. And some of the chats my, my wife and I have had since the first well-being webinar that she was able to come to have been really interesting because what I've seen is how when we've each um, kind of maybe temporarily fallen out of what you've been calling our kind of our true selves and we've got lost in that, you know, the thoughts and the, the emotion of a separate self. Yeah. It's been really nice to see how more often we've actually been um, pointing each other back in in touch with that true self and settling the other person's thinking rather than feeling like we need to <laughs> fan the flame and engage with the problem. It's just you're okay and just pro provide that calm reassurance. It's been really nice. Um, I've seen I've seen the real benefits of that um, for myself, but also for me um, supporting supporting my wife. So. Um, I, I completely get that. I see that a lot. And I, I don't know whether you're seeing that, Steve, at all at home or with, with colleagues as, as well. Mm, absolutely. And you're so right. I was talking to my partner just um, on Monday and we were saying about how she was like, I'm pretty jealous of you because you get to go to work on the odd days and then there's that sense of normality about it. And I said, well, it's not a normal situation whatsoever and we can't really take great stuff out of what's happening to the world right now but if anything it is that connectiveness that you kind of everyone's building that up again and it's kind of like when you what you're talking about being the separate self 
kind of lose track of who your true self is at times. And this pandemic that we've got at the moment, if anything, it's given us a real reset button in, in that sense to come back and actually find ourselves and who we are and then go forward. And for me, I've got an eight month old baby at home. So having time with her is joyful at the moment, um, despite the TV uh, and the children. But I'm with the partner and you think with your partner having that additional time at home, it can be strenuous. Yeah. But actually it's helped how we're guiding each other through when we're looking at everything very with a neutral face on as well and a neutral mind to think how, how do you combat anything that comes up? But it is that constant support and connectiveness that we got with each other. That's actually providing us a real strong backbone to what we're going through. Thanks, Steve. Before we sort of move on, Stu and Liz, I don't know whether either of you want to say anything about that idea of connectedness, because I think Steve's picked up on something really important there, which is, <coughs> you know, through the work I've done with you, we've always seen, haven't we, that, there's something in the power of human connection that puts people back in touch with their well-being really quite quickly and and that's something i want to explore a bit more tonight when we're thinking about supporting our our families our communities and our colleagues yeah um i, I think you, you you've really hit the nail on the head which is you know the the when we when we kind of start to get a sense of what connects us all so there's a kind of a sense of who we truly are our true nature then that what that naturally does is that means that we we naturally sort of resonate at that level and and we're resonating with that in other people which is which is the same and, and that is what has us feel this sense of connection now the truth is that we're not actually not connected it, it, it looks and feels like that but we're coming from this same i call it this same deeper intelligence and what I noticed in what you were saying earlier, Steve, which was this this kind of sense of almost like surprise, like, oh, usually I get suckered into a story and yet I'm kind of like, I'm not, not doing that anymore. Well, what we find with our work is that as people become more curious about that that true nature, that that inner space, whatever you want to call it, the symptom of us becoming curious of that is that things naturally fall away that used to kind of grab our attention or get us caught up into stories. And so what's happening there is that you're not doing anything um, by having any strategies or tools or techniques trying to, to get you to not to get caught up in speculation. What naturally happens is as we kind of find ourselves back in that space of who we truly are, our true selves, which is like you said, it's like the reset button has been pressed, mm. then it no longer makes sense to get caught up in the stories that kind of have us get agitated and feel separate and, and feel defensive and insecure. So yes, I think that there's something, you know, the heart of what we're pointing to is we're pointing people back to our true nature or, or, or true nature because it's in that space that the things that, that feel uncomfortable seem to disappear and fall away. So can I just throw in there, and, and Stu, it would be great if you could come in on this, because um, you sort of alluded to this point earlier, is, I, I mean, I really do get what you're saying there, Liz, I really do, and I, it really resonates with me. But I also understand that some people listening might feel a bit sometimes like, okay, I get, I get that. I do have problems. I do have challenges out there. And I, I know what you're encouraging us to do is to see that from that true self, from that settled space, we'll see things for what they truly are. But it's still true, is it not, that there are things that are tough? Oh, there's, there's the question that, that there's some tough stuff going on um, right now. And that I imagine that you will be at the forefront of, of this with families when, when you get back into it. Um, you know, families that have been impacted with um, deaths, um, which you know are, you hear about maybe from, from parents or from the children themselves. So, I, I, I really do want to make, make this bit clear that you know, I, I don't minimise that at all, um, and there's no question that you know if, if somebody comes with some sort of traumatic experience from the past I, I, I would never never there'd be no comment about that not happening 
you know there's no question of it it that's 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 their experience from 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 way back when and and you know i, I would always be respectful um and ask questions just to get some to get clear on 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 what i'm hearing but in asking those questions i'm i'm less curious about the story of what what is bothering them than than what i'm hearing from from them that, that actually indicates the resilience because because that's the bit that i'm really interested in is pointing to that it's pointing to the to the resilience that they don't see for themselves and that shows up in the most sometimes um innocent ways you know so you know a, a, a family that are going through some real tough stuff and yet they can get their children to school and okay you might need to feed them you might need to wash them whatever but nevertheless there's still something about about that that is, is saying to me you you guys are, are really doing your bit here there's something that that, that that you've really stepped up or you are stepping up i think what i'd say there that um there's no no denying there's tough stuff going on and yes you know I, i'm interested but but i'm interested in what's going on behind the story of 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 the tough stuff if that makes sense it 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 does and is is that is the reason for that Stu? just so again so i'm really clear is the reason that you're more interested in that stuff just because you're really curious about that or because that's where you see the most help for that individual yes um yeah but wait to the second point but I, but I, i'm curious because there will be something there that is 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 the goal that we're looking for because when we point to that and we say um for, i don't know let me just think of something um you know you know that day when you 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 showed up and you you, you joined in the school assembly and that was the first time you did that that was amazing because you know that that brought so much joy to so many people and so I know that you can do that. So, so you, I know that in school, you are very intuitive around that, you folks in school. Um, you know, when a, a child says they can't do it, you know, you're not going to let that go because you, 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 you've got something that you can point them back to and say, hey, hang on a minute. You did that really beautifully last week. What's wrong? Come on, you know, you can do this. So, so you so it's really an extension of, of that sort of habit and, and I'd be encouraging you to look for the evidence that will present itself from somebody who's bringing maybe a, um, a, a very sad story to you you're never going to fix the story there isn't anything to fix but you can actually support them by pointing to the resilience and well-being because it's from that place they'll know the next step for them it might not be the next step that you think is the obvious one for, for them it might be the, the next step which leads to the next step thank you so if we bring that even more into the the kind of topic for tonight we've kind of touched on it a lot there but this idea of really wanting to support those around us in our school communities. I think that is something on every teacher, TA's mind, school leaders. We're thinking about these families at home who we have variable contact with, depending on what school we work in. We're thinking about colleagues who, gosh, I mean, some of my colleagues I don't see anymore. <laughs> We're not on the same rotor. I can go, I can go a month without seeing them, or maybe on a Zoom call if I'm lucky. So we're thinking about navigating our way through all of that and how we best support and serve each other. And, and similar to last week, um, Steve, we put a couple of polls out, didn't we, in the last 24 hours on our Facebook page, just to gauge really what were some of the things that people felt were most challenging about 
about this kind of situation, what they're struggling with. And um, the, the first poll, Steve, I think was more about um, colleagues. Do you want to talk us through that one first? <clears throat> yeah, it was. Thanks, Russell. Um, we basically did two polls in our Facebook group. Um, the first poll, as Russell said, was uh, the question was, what are your biggest concerns at the moment when it comes to your colleagues? Now, interestingly, um, what topped it straight away was that the biggest concern is their mental health, um, closely followed by the fact that it could be that they have too many other demands. Um, and then another popular one was that they were concerned about they were alone. Now, um, there are a couple of smaller um, tallies whereby some people are concerned about the colleagues and their financial pressures. For example, a partner might have um, lost a job, for example. Or um, no one really went for any uh, communication, like you're saying, Russell, the fact that you can go a month without talking to other colleagues. That wasn't a popular one, but actually uh, there was this overwhelmingly majority who are really concerned about the mental health of their colleagues and the fact that they might have too many other demands, which I assume was also touched on to home learning with their own children, for example, and finding a good balance between the work and the, the home life. Okay, so before we tackle those top ones, as you said, Steve, that, that um, sounded you know quite overwhelming for the people that voted for them, you, you pointed out something interesting, which was that one of the options was uh, concerns around communication. You said actually not many people were that concerned about that. And just curious, starting with a, a positive there, are we seeing actually in this bizarre situation, are we seeing in some respects what you were talking about earlier of actually some some really powerful human connections going on uh, and can i ask you that steve are you seeing amongst colleagues any strengthened relationships um with yourself and colleagues or between them in the face of all this adversity yeah definitely i think it could be wrong but i feel that the reason why that was unpopular as to speak mm. um, is the fact that we are communicating really well within our teams we're not in the physical building together but for example in my own school we have whatsapp groups for the phases we have staff quizzes there's this social aspect actually in this uh, very socially distant world that we're in that's actually evolved from it so in that sense so we are actually communicating probably better even though we're not face-to-face -face communicating technology has brought this to life and the fact that we now know oh we don't have to be in the same room who would have ever planned for slt to be uh, considered over a zoom meeting but actually be equally effective as if we're in the room um google documents and sharing everything like that there's this team building that's evolved within technology right now okay we'd all love to go straight back to normality most likely but it just shows it's possible and i think that's why that isn't a concern on everyone's mind at the moment that's really lovely, actually. And I, I, I've been thinking as you were speaking there also about the you're talking a lot about the online connections. And I've seen those, too. We've had we've had lots of that in our school. But also when we are in school, because we're in smaller teams, I'm finding I'm talking to people that I maybe haven't had as much time to before. I suppose this depends on the size of your school. We're a largish two form entry school. Um, and it's been a really lovely sense of community around we get about 30 children a day around this kind of collective responsibility for the children and we've had a disproportionate amount of our youngest children in so nursery age children and um, we have a nursery uh, and we had quite a few of those in so to see my year four year five year six teachers looking after the three-year-olds and playing with them and joking around them with them has been really beautiful uh, i keep winding them up that they're uh, making themselves sound too good and i'm going to put them in nursery next year um but but there's just this lovely kind of sense of community and I just know that one of the gains that we're going to have got from this is a, is an appreciation for other people's roles and just building on that my last point with that is in in my role I feel like a kind of a senior admin assistant you know kind of running this daycare provision and I'm very proud to do that I'm not dismissing that as unimportant in fact it's incredibly difficult but I'm enjoying it but it's really brought home for me an appreciation of the things that our admin team do do um, in school. You know, sh stupid things that you take for granted that just happen beautifully, seamlessly behind the scenes that I thought I appreciated, but now I really appreciate. And uh, I feel like I'll be delivering a lot more cups of teas when things go back to normal to our admin um, team, because actually it, is, it, it can feel really stressful and overwhelming when you've got this massive list and problems that need dealing with now in in that kind of admin world so no that's that's been a really nice reflection that actually communication has come out as as quite a positive um so remind me of the top two that were not so great Stephen. you talked about go on say it say it again so 
the majority said that their concern is their mental health of the colleagues, followed by that they may have too many other demands. Okay, can I throw that over to Liz for a moment to just reflect on that? What what do you hear there, Liz, from from people sort of sharing those as their big concerns? Yeah, I think I think it's really understandable, um, and I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, the schools are are a microcosm of what what's happening in so many places with a lot of uncertainty, with massive changes in in working pattern, with um, people having to juggle home learning with their own children, thinking about healthcare, thinking about maybe parents and and all these other things that that um, that they didn't have to to think about uh, before. So it's no wonder that um, we're all, I guess, having to think things through a lot more. I mean, our, our minds are really having to be active, trying to work, work out how we navigate through, through the world because it's so unusual and, and different at the moment. And, and I guess it's, it's very natural that you would notice that in your colleagues too. And, and, and just wanting to, to, to kind of look out for them too. So I think it's, it's, it's great that that's been noticed and, and that's seen as, as um, something to, to, to look out for in others. And, and I guess my reflection is, is really that with the work that we're looking at, which is around uh, really focusing on other people's mental well-being, the best service that you can be for your colleagues and, and, and their mental health, is to really help ground them in their mental well-being, help to see that in them for themselves. Um, because we can't take away or, or, or change the circumstances that people do have to navigate through, which are quite, quite challenging and strange at the moment. But what we can do is we can really help them see that they're doing really well, they're doing as well as they can, and that they have that resilience and well-being that will see them through whatever life throws at them over the coming days, weeks and months. So I guess that's my immediate reflection, Russell. Thank you, Liz. Stu, is there anything you'd like to add to that? In terms of how we best serve those, those colleagues who are yeah. going through a tough time and maybe they've shown that resilience to actually tell us that, show us that, express that, even if it's through a social media post or a text or something. Yes. What I see is that well-being attracts well-being. It, it just seems to be, you know, I think we can all relate to that when, you know, if you walk into a room and you're, you're, you're feeling good and looking good, whatever it may be, I don't know, there just seems to be a reaction. And the same goes when you might be in a conversation with somebody who's struggling a bit. Um, from your groundedness in well-being you're looking to you're looking to bring them up onto your stable ground avoid at all costs going into the instability of their grounding so that's another way of saying don't get sucked into the story you 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 are trying to say trying you inevitably will bring them onto your solid ground by your groundedness if that if that makes sense it does make sense and i think everyone on this webinar could probably think of a person in their life who i don't know there's just a there's a sense of calm they feel when they're around them i wonder what whether sort of all those people that we're thinking of just have that ability to just not get sucked in just have that natural calm that attracts us to them that makes us feel like things are okay when we're around them and it's really interesting because when I think of the best um, kind of leaders I've worked under over the years that's that's been quite a common uh, common feature um, that just that ability to not be pulled into the nonsense so to speak that's going on in my head. Steve would you say something similar around that? <coughs> Absolutely Russell yeah sorry um, you're probably one of them people though Russell when you think about it well I know whenever we're you do give this aura out of yourself that um it just kind of provides the calm and the level headedness, but you give out an, an, a nice confidence that everything is okay around you. And I think 
that's a fair reflection on how, as a leader, having worked alongside you as well and developed together, that always come across. But we've, when we've been meeting up in the recent times, actually, haven't we? And we've been discussing everything that's going on in the world and in our lives. You always transmit this aura about you that everything is okay and things come and things go and it is all okay. That's part of the journey. That's just a, a, a really genuine sense that I know it is okay. And that's by no means a setup that I was going to say you. That's really kind. That's really kind. Liz, you come in there. Yeah, I just want to come in there because I think that's such a great point that you make, Steve. And, and this is um, that what you've noticed in Russell, when you're around Russell, so let me just ask this because I'm making this assertion, is that you kind of um, notice that sense of calm too. Is that, would that be fair to say? Definitely. Yeah. Now, the temptation is to think that Russell is is the source of your calm, but but he's not. All that's happened is that around Russell, your thinking has fallen away, and what's naturally arisen is your own sense of calm and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just really worth recognizing the impact we can inadvertently have on people, and that's the dynamic of what's happening. It's, it's your own well-being and groundedness that is coming through. I'm pleased you picked up on that, Liz, because um, when we talk about this idea of inside out and our experience being self-generated, we're talking about the good stuff as much as the not so good stuff, aren't we? And I think sometimes we attribute good feelings as well as bad feelings to the stuff outside. Like, um, I, I feel good when I'm at the beach, so I go to the beach to feel good. And when you first ever challenged that for me, I thought, what are you saying? I love the beach. Stop putting the beach down. And then when I realized it wasn't a criticism of the beach, it was just an observation that something happens when I'm at the beach, which is around my, the settling of my thinking. And I've fooled myself into, it's a bit like that Chantel Burns quote again, isn't it? I fooled myself into thinking what's happening is the beach does something to me rather than an understanding that you know, it's just quite a nice place to, to experience settled thinking. What's, uh, what's going on is in my head. And, you know, I, I'm sure if I wanted to get worked up and stressed at the beach, I could manage it. So, um, so yeah, really interesting point there. Really interesting point there. Okay. Um, Steve, talk to me about the, the communities and the families. So the, we've explored there how our colleagues are the best service we can offer is being that kind of in that settled place ourselves and not being sucked into the stories. But it's a slightly different dynamic with our families. What, what was coming up that people were concerned about? It's slightly different in the sense that whilst their mental health remains the biggest focal point of concern, it's close, well, it's followed by the fact that we're also concerned about the physical welfare and safety of our families and our children in our community. Financial pressure again comes up and even getting back into routine. They're all features, but I thought it's interesting the fact that the physical welfare and safety arises after mental health because that's something that naturally when we're in the school building, it's a lot easier to respond and react to, but our families are further away from us at the moment and we can all think of the vulnerable families that we we take an interest and care with um, and that really resonated with people the fact that they're actually that is a major concern for them the physical welfare and safety yeah I mean it's been really fascinating to see schools responses to the situation we're in and I'm not about to criticize or sing the praises of any individual school but one thing that I really did see around the time that we were having to make our initial decisions about how we would kind of set things up was that when decisions came from a point of compassion and love and and, and care, they just seemed to be, they just seemed to be good decisions. And I mean, I've been back in school this week. I'm on a bit of an on off um, road. So I was back in this week and I've spent the last two days doing pretty much one thing, which is sorting out some food donations that we've had from a, from a charity called Magic Breakfast who, who used to supply us bagels and have put together lots of stuff for us to, to send home to families. And that has been predominantly my focus this week, um, probably f- for the reasons you've sort of shared on the poll there, that my one of my biggest concerns, I just know there are some basic needs that need m- kind of meeting. And 
that feels really right. That feels like a really right thing to do at the moment. That should be my priority. There are other things I need to do as well. But that was kind of top of the list in the last two days. And we've, um, we've, we've had some really interesting connection with our local community. So we've got four volunteers from our local community centre coming out today, uh, tomorrow to pick up loads of boxes full of, sort of cereals and bagels and things and deliver them to a bunch of our families. And it's interesting. We didn't really overly think about it. it just just seem right i don't know um what your thoughts are on that steve in in terms of the decisions we we made at the start of this um that just came from that kind of caring space you've probably got similar things mm. yourself <clears throat> yeah we have and i think once the dust settled on the initial spark when we all went into this new new world that we're in it does allow you that time and whether whether it be the phone calls home to the families that we know need a phone call and a little bit of support whether it's how we provide educational work in a different ways to support some families and that physical side. We're like you, we, um, we're very fortunate. We've got companies around us in our local community who are donating and we're then going out to the houses to, to provide and to touch base with people as well to make sure they are okay. And we can see that their, their mental health when they stand at the door and they have a conversation, you can kind of gauge a little bit there and what we can do next to support people. But I think you're right. It's just, given a little bit of a focus point on something that we know is vital to our mantra in our life, but we're actually seeing it and working well together to ensure that it's enhanced. Yeah. And do you feel Steve, like uh, one thing that's really hit me is that schools that have kind of always tried to put wellbeing fairly central to how they, they run their place have kind of kept doing that and the, the outcomes or the output looks really different. And, um, but the, the drive or the the kind of basis of what they do has hasn't changed and unfortunately that's probably also the case for schools where well-being wasn't at the center of what they were doing you know we have heard stories of 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 a sort of slightly unpleasant email sent home to parents and stuff from certain schools and pressure on the students to 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 do this and that and 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 the effects of that and i'm just i'm just wondering just thinking it through whether you know, if you've always cared about well-being, that that will just be continuing to, I don't know, flourish really in this this mm. environment. Whereas if if you never were and you, and you're not now, that, that that's probably still causing some issues. I think you're right, and I think um, in a weird way, it felt like some schools maybe needed a bit of time to develop this understanding. But whether that's been accepted or not, I think you're right. Those who are doing it well are still doing it well and working hard on it. Those who maybe aren't who knows how they're doing but I mean I always felt that well when you look online it's a bit of a competition in the playground kind of atmosphere with what we're setting children to do at home mm. actually when you think about what the importance is at the moment you're right and and it is that being in touch and I mean I saw a comment on our poll um one boy uh, the mother is in our group and she was contacted because they said he has owed 45 hours worth of work that he hadn't done at home. And you think, what is that actually achieving by sending that, that email home to a mother who's clearly working hard and doing all sorts with her child? But just because it wasn't the standardised work, you think, what is the purpose of that? So I would love to bring Liz or Stu in there because we're not raising that because we want to make some teacher out there feel awful about that. But what <laughs> I'm really curious about is kind of what you hear about about that school that teacher who perhaps has sent a message out like that to a pupil where where do you see kind of their headspace for a teacher that's saying you know you're 45 hours worth of work behind you know you need to catch up what's going on there yeah I, I was just thinking about choosing my words carefully um okay as bizarre as it sounds people are just trying to do the best i'll start there and at the same time it sounds as though there's some insecure thinking that's present that's getting in the way of who they truly are it's always the same so in the absence of the insecure thinking it would be inevitable that they would respond from that space of well-being for their colleagues and for their children. And we've seen it in schools when 
when leaders get to understand this, it's inevitable that they'll be having conversations which are which result in how can we reduce workload? How can we how can we improve this for for the teachers? How can we improve this for the parents? It's just inevitable. Whereas, you know, we could we could probably spend lots of time talking about the education system, but where people feel that they've got a top-down pressure to perform, that that it looks like that's the be-all and end-all. Whereas my view is, if you look after well-being, the results will look after themselves. Stu, you said that in our, uh, in our well-being podcast we did all that time ago. So that's episode two on our uh, podcast, if you're interested. You, you talked about the, uh, the tail wagging the dog, didn't you? And that idea that we've got so used to in schools believing, uh, it's another example of kind of misjudging reality, isn't it? Believing that we have to chase the outcome for the results to come rather than putting well-being and um, supporting our staff to be their very best at the heart and do you know what I'm seeing again that's just as relevant in the current climate isn't it is that if we have people be at their absolute best because they're treated well and they're they're taken care of and that goes for our community that goes for our parents when we're making phone calls home then the other stuff naturally comes that we want like them being able to access some of the learning like them being okay um, in terms of their well-being that's really interesting Liz do you want to come in there Yes, I think it's, it is interesting. And I think that, you know, as Stu says, just to emphasize it, is that when people are in insecure thinking, then what comes out is insecure behavior. That, that's, when we talk about this as an understanding, it's understanding the dynamic of what's going on rather than looking to try and change or fix something. And it's actually really understandable. If, if I think that my, my well-being and worth is dependent on a child doing a certain amount of work, if I really believe that, then that's, that's what I'll respond from, from a place of fear and, and writing letters and trying to, to get that child, change the situation out there so that I can feel ultimately better. Which is why this is so important for people to see is that when you start to see that actually the well-being, all the well-being and resilience resides within, and it's not dependent on external circumstances, then you respond in a very different way. You have very, very different thinking arises, and then very different behavior arises from that thinking. You tend to feel more compassion. You tend to be more understanding. You, you tend to look for ways that you can support, and then the behavior that follows is, is very much of that ilk. That's a lovely, a lovely point. I feel like my understanding of this inside out understanding has given me the ability to be much more compassionate. I feel, I feel kinder. <laughs> I feel like I look for the, like you've described all evening, the well-being and others, rather than starting from this um, deficit model about people that there's something missing or they're doing something wrong and I need to fix that. That's, that's lovely. And then it's, it's just got me thinking that this, this episode is not about giving you a list of things you need to now go and do for your families. It's about if we can keep coming back to that idea of well-being and the decision-making from a settled space, you will find the right things to do for your families and, and you'll be doing them. You'll be doing lots of those wonderful things already. Um, sort of coming towards the end, I wonder whether any of our, any of our kind of joiners this evening would love to um, write anything down in the, in the chat area there for us, pose any questions or comments. And we'll just give you a minute to, to do that. And perhaps we'll just pick up on a couple of things as we come to an end there. Wendy, I think would quite like to speak and share something. So let's bring you in, Wendy. Yeah, um, three things. Um, we were talking about how difficult it is um, doing online things. My school's doing a lot of Zoom stuff and um, Google Meet stuff. And one thing I've picked out, because you know when someone speaks, their face is just on the screen. So I'm actually, I've been able to pick out when people aren't, you know, settled, just because if I was in a whole room with them, I might not notice it so much, which has been interesting. And the other thing, um, when I was talking to staff, it was just um, the other TAs were in a, a little uh, once a week sort of coffee chat Zoom thing. And um, I wanted to put in because I thought, you know, I don't think we should be afraid to say. And I said, um, 
has anybody had any down days? I said, I've had a couple of flat days, you know, and a couple of headaches. And then a few of them came in with that. And I just wanted to point out to them, you know, that's just the up and down thing. And it's all very normal. Mm. And we're no different from the students, you know. And there was a bit of thinking with that. And the last thing was I was really un- really fortunate to have um, a Zoom meeting with the assistant head. And I've never spoken to her before, but she's, you know, taking that time. And I pointed out that, you know, my concern even before COVID was that the school I'm at, the brilliant thing is uh, they're really focusing on mental health, which I think is amazing because not all schools do it. But I said my thing was um, we've made it sound now like, um, you know, you you haven't got a mental health issue. What's wrong with you? Mm. And that's what I felt was coming. And she agreed with me on that. And that, you know, I said I wanted to point out, you know, the good in the kids and, and their well-being mm. resilience rather than it's almost becoming um, a bit of a trend now for kids to say, oh, I've got a mental health issue. What's yours? And that can. So when we get back, I really and she agreed. I felt so strongly that it's to, like Stu and Liz are saying, you know, listen to that, you know, that good, the strengths, you know rather than because every one of us can go back and sit down listening to you know the negativity and and that could go such a a wrong way thank you wendy there's so much i love about what you've said and i'm sure we've all got some um, things we'd love to pick up on just a couple i was really interested in i like what you said about just noticing a bit more and, and some of those expressions in your colleagues and one of the things I think I've become better over the years that I used to be useless at was listening, but noticing's yeah. a, a, another good word for, for listening really is just spotting, spotting what you're seeing in other people. Sometimes we can be so busy in our own head and our own revved up thinking that stopping and slowing down and noticing others. I think that that's a real sign of your, uh, your intuitive well-being yeah. sort of speaking there. Thank you for that. I think oh. my um, noticing is, better than my listening which is something <laughs> I need to improve on when a student walks in the room you know I'm noticing straight away visually what's going on with them hey but isn't that important because we know don't we that so often people tell us more about just you know where they're at through their body language and whatnot yeah. than uh, than what they actually what they actually say and I also wanted to really pick up what you you talked about in your third point there about um the kind of tokenistic response that we can inadvertently have as schools. And um, when Liz and Stu and I run some training locally in Exeter, you talked about the idea of action plans that people quite often have. We need an action plan for well-being. And what we're really going to encourage people to do is think differently. Is This isn't like uh, a plan for improving writing in key stage one action plan. This is this is about a fundamental core of what you do as an organization. It's not about if we do A, B, C, and D, we'll have sorted well-being, tick the success criteria. And that's a challenge for teachers because we're so used to qualifying everything in that way. Um, Steve, I want to come to you and, and just see if there's any reflections you've got there on anything Wendy's, uh, Wendy's shared. I agree about the noticing for sure. And, and what you're saying then, Russell, it's um, well-being, when it was introduced, it seemed to be a bolt on there was a another piece of work to put in the school development plan and another like you said the tick list just a oh yeah we do this by having a coffee morning or by having the enforced after school club that you have to go to for all staff it, it doesn't work like that but um Wendy I, what resonated as well was when you said about the um the mental health and the the children saying oh yeah I've got one of those as well it seems like there's this uh I mean, I teach year six and even amongst them, it, you get this idea of wanting something to be labelled as, oh, I'm different because I have this and it doesn't matter what they have. Um, I was just kind of thinking to myself, why, what is it that we've done to, have, or what, what's alluded to making this a thing to want to be associated with mental health at the moment? Is it another ideology that's arisen from social media being more influencing on children or what is it and go on Russell sorry no I was just going to say Steve I really think it's this deficit model that we've got so used to seeing in people Mm. that you know we look at what's missing and you know it's interesting because something I really want to do in terms of the wider school development in the next year is really um, what's quite often called that appreciative inquiry idea that actually Mm. we've got everything we need in the building We've got everything we need. And I'm really inspired by some of the school leaders. We're going to hopefully talk to uh, to one next week on, a, on another podcast who 
who have turned schools around with exactly the same staff that were labelled requires improvement or inadequate. Same staff. So what's going on there? Because the people haven't changed, but the mentality around um, whether it's a, a deficit model or, or whether there's, we've already got everything we need um, has been what's transformative. And I think we've just got so used to, Steve, as a society and with children seeing what's missing. And I see that in social care. And when we're, we're talking about plans for, for helping young people, it's always about, well, do they need this therapy or this? Rather than just sometimes slowing down and thinking, God, they're just... <laughs> they're just a child we don't you know what are we telling this child about themselves by wanting to quite kindly it comes from a nice place but wanting to fix all these things that we see is broken about them what message do we send so i think that's a really good point Stu, there was one there that yeah. i wanted to just pick up on one of our colleagues cool. talked about something you said they they picked up there that sometimes they feel a bit frustrated around the value that's put on well-being in their organization they've said that your, your comment there really got them thinking differently about um you know that everyone's just trying their best and it's easy for us to be really critical of, of those <coughs> trying to, to sort of run our schools but just that slightly compassionate uh, look at them that you were yeah, having there yeah somebody put up um something about uh they're doing the best in the circumstances and, and i understand the uh the nature of, of that that comment but i want you to look beyond that beyond the circumstances they're actually doing their best from the thinking that they're experiencing at the time or the thinking that's present at the time uh, and it will look like the it's the circumstances but actually we, we know that you've got some colleagues that are super cool and will respond in one way and then maybe other colleagues that you know respond in a heightened sense of confused thinking about the same set of circumstances so it can't be the circumstances does that does that help it does thank you yeah liz or steve is there anything else we've we've had some wonderful comments and and, and reflections there that any of you want to pick up on I, I just want to say on some of the comments that i've been reading is that that you see what i've seen is as people start to to really settle and and understand that it, they've become reflective on conversations that they've had with different people or, or circumstances that have happened. And again, it, it, I just get a sense that there's a real understanding of, of the dynamic of what's gone behind um, things. And, and that's what arises when we settle into our well-being. We become more understanding. It doesn't mean that we don't have to correct behavior or, 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 or have boundaries. It just means we understand the dynamic of what's going on. And then we respond from a a space of understanding and compassion and i always think that's that's such a great space to connect with others from yeah it sort of takes the um adversarial nature out of out of a conversation doesn't it which we know you know if we're both in red thinking that's no there's not much future in that sort of conversation but if if somebody's in their grounded well-being there's a really good chance that they're going to hear the other person bring them onto their stable ground and then there's a very nurturing conversation about what to do next can take place from there thank you very much steve would you um would you wrap up for us a bit tonight on your own uh reflections yeah, what mean, you're hearing it's all been really positive hasn't it and I, again it's a uh, another week on the bounce where i know i'm going to go away and i'm going to annoy my partner by telling her just what i've been talking about for an hour or so um but just looking through the chat as well there's a real sense of um, togetherness. That's where we're hopefully seeing a more, like we're talking about that appreciation for people and for what we're doing in these difficult circumstances as well. But hopefully that's something we can always take forward on this new normality that we're going to get to. We shouldn't forget that this is, this shouldn't be a one-off now. It's a, yes, the pandemic is truly awful and that hopefully will be a one-off, but going forward, hopefully how we're connecting and we're talking and appreciating everyone else. That should just be the way. That's why I was talking about that reset button of appreciation as well comes into that. I, I'm totally guilty and have been as a leader of not appreciating everything in roles um, across the board, but it's made me reflect on how you can show it in many different ways as well. And then I, I saw that um, Polly was saying, she had a conversation with a parent today. Uh, how brilliant is that, that, you're able to use the analogy of that roller coaster and the ups and downs, but 
it's what it meant to the parent as well. The fact that um, she was in a much better place afterwards. So we can see this can have an impact and it can just help everyone in day to day life. And it just brings home, doesn't it, Steve, that when I talked about in one of the other webinars that this is about understanding a few basic principles about how we work and you're going to just see the implications in your life all over the shop and you're going to see it in all sorts of ways that that we've not even mentioned and, and that's much more powerful than me trying to give you a list of strategies to go away and uh, use in your school so thanks to everybody for joining us again we'll, we'll kind of bring that to an end now and uh, yeah thank you for being part of it once again it's been great to see you all Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Don't keep the deputy.